Take it from the top. Take one. This is Within. Shifting the conversation on who is in prison. Recording from the vault in the Denver complex of the Colorado Department of Corrections. I'm Denise Presson, resident at Denver Women's Correctional Facility. I'm Andrew Draper, resident at Sterling Correctional Facility. I'm Ashley Hamilton, the founder and director of the DU Prison Arts Initiative. Here at Within, as we work to shift the conversation on who is in prison, we've asked our guests and our hosts to freely share their perspective. The opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly those of the person who gave them. After we talked to Damon, we all found ourselves wondering, could we actually speak to someone who was dying in prison right now and hear from them? I started to do some legwork. I talked to the warden at the Denver complex, and I was given a name, Nick Jones. He's 65 years old, and he'd served 40 years of a life sentence, and he was dying in prison. For some reason, when I heard his name, I knew we were supposed to talk to him. I didn't know him. I didn't know anything about him, just that little bit of information about his time. We set up the interview during our very first week of recording. The day that we were supposed to interview him, he went into the hospital. We were really worried. We didn't know if he was going to pass. We hadn't even met him at this point. We asked about him every day after that. He stayed in the hospital for the remainder of that week, and our team traveled back to Sterling, and we took a break until we came into week two of recording a few weeks later. During week two, he was still in the hospital, and I was given another name, someone else that maybe we could talk to, but something in me couldn't let it go. I felt like we had to talk to Nick, and I didn't know why. So I asked about him again and again every day during that second week. On our final day of recording for season one, the very last opportunity for us to do interviews, I woke up to a text message. Nick Jones had come back from the hospital. He was back in the prison. I immediately asked, can we speak with him? Of course, said the warden. That morning when we got into the facility, we already had three interviews set for the day. We were full, but I knew we had to get this done. I sent our associate producer up to the infirmary in the DRDC to talk to Nick, to ask him how he was, if he was up for this, what he thought. Nick was not doing well. He had literally just got back from the hospital a few hours earlier. He was really sick. And he said he really wanted to do the interview, but he was worried about his energy level, his oxygen level. He asked if we could do it another time. My producers came back down and told me, And they said I had to let it go, which they know I don't do well. Something in me wouldn't stop. I left the vault, walked up to the hospital all by myself. I wanted to go introduce myself to Nick. I did. When I walked in the room, I saw a man laying on a bed in an orange jumpsuit. He's older, small, and he's dying. I walked up to him. And I said, hey, Nick, I've been looking for you. (laughs) He looked at me like I was crazy and said, you have? And I said, yeah, I don't know why, but we're supposed to have a conversation. And from there, I asked him if he might be willing to do the interview again. 
I explained to him that it was our last day of recording and the only other opportunity we would, we would have to record would be months later. And he and I both knew, knew, even though we didn't say it out loud, he wouldn't survive that long. He asked if he could have an hour to think about it. I said, of course. Went back down to the vault. We got another interview in and then I rushed back up to the hospital. I poked my head into his room and he said, okay, let's do it. I grabbed the team. Denise Draper and our associate producer, Sarah, and our mic, and we headed up to the infirmary, to the hospital in the prison, and we quickly found out exactly why we were supposed to have a conversation with Nick Jones. We're walking into an infirmary in a prison, so we just opened the door to it. Got Denise, Draper, Ashley, myself, um, and our associate producer, Sarah. We're heading into, we're currently standing in a, looks like a hospital, um, except for the, the doors to the hospital. Beds are like cell doors. Um, and everyone here is wearing state clothes. And there's a CO bubble. Um, what else is different than a normal hospital just the absolute feeling in here it's heavy it's very oppressive it feels like the ceiling's coming in um the smells are the same as a hospital definitely um the others you're right there's um all of the ocas that are walking around are in state greens um comes a co hi Just hold, hold it close to it. Uh, Michael was about this far. We've been raised the whole time. Okay. Seven. Perfect. So, yeah, we're just taking a moment to make sure we're ready before we go in. Okay, yeah. We go in? Uh, yeah, I'll just make sure his door is open and you guys can come whenever you're ready. Let me introduce you to, these are my two co-hosts co-host? on the on the podcast. Okay. This is Denise Presson. Hi, nice to meet you. She's nice a, meet you. a resident at Denver Women's. And this is Andrew Draper. Andrew, hey, how you doing? Good. And he is a resident at Sterling Correctional. Um, he's actually been brought here for this. Um, and then this is our one of our associate producers, nice Sarah Berry. And she's just recording. Okay. Are you already recording? Yes. Okay, great. Yep, we're so we're just going to chat. Okay. Okay. And um, we have a few questions prepared. Um, what's easiest? Do you want to sit? Do you want to stand? Um, no, I mean, you, you lay. We'll, yeah. I meant, uh, do we want to sit or stand? Um, I don't mind standing. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll sit here if that's okay. Can, do you want to, just for levels, do you want to be on this side? Maybe over there. So we're sitting in, or we're standing um, inside a uh, infirmary cell. It looks pretty much like a normal. Mm, it's it's a little bit different than a normal cell, um, but definitely uh, kind of looks like a hospital room. It's got a, two hospital beds in here, so there could be two occupants of the room. There is a stainless steel toilet and sink combination, and um, 
There is uh, personal belongings of Mr. Jones in the room and uh, Mr. Jones himself and all of us are in here. Um, there is an oxygen tank. There is, um, yeah, it definitely looks like a hospital room uh, slash prison. Yes. Slash <laughs> <laughs> prison, yeah. Yep. First I've heard of it was today. I hadn't heard anything going moving along any of these lines. Mm -hmm. uh, I did do a thing with the uh, one of the colleges down around Fremont, and it never came to fruition. Mm -hmm. I never heard anything from that. I'd like to say some stuff to different people, but. Like to see where the interview goes. If you yeah, want to yeah. do it like an interview, yeah, we have some questions. Yeah, so My, how are you feeling today? For one, oh, uh, better than I did yesterday. I have uh, fourth degree lung cancer, uh, metastatic bone cancer, and AFib of the heart. And all of them working together doesn't work very well. So I have fluid that builds up on my left lung, and that's where the cancer is also. So It'll almost shut all the way down, and I'll be struggling for air. Like, sometimes I'll be trying to finish the sentence and have to stop. And, uh, well, please do so at any time during okay. this, okay? Uh, seven months ago, I thought I was doing great. I thought, I've got 40 years in on a 20-year year life sentence. For how many years? I have 40 years on... This time when I go up for parole, I'll have 40 years up on on a 20-year life sentence. And I thought, well, I have a reasonable chance. Started writing letters. And I uh, had to go to medical one morning because I wasn't feeling quite right. And I uh, went downtown to Canyon City. And uh, they took a picture of my chest. And a mass showed up on my left lung. And... Uh, Next thing you know, I'm in an ambulance going to Colorado Springs, and they're diagnosing it as cancer. So just to be clear for people listening, you've been in the Colorado Department of Corrections in prison for 40 years. Yes, ma'am. So how old were you when you came in? 25. And you're 65. I'm 65. Wow. It's a long time. It's a long time. There's a couple of ways to look at that. The guy that I killed is still dead. Nothing I can do to change that. Wish there were, but I can't. And that that hurts too. But okay. You've had forty years to reflect on that. And now that you're in the, the, um, the health that you're in right now, um, some would say maybe it's, maybe it's justifiable, the fact that you're sick. Uh, what do you say to people like that? Do you feel like that's the, the 40 years that you've been in here that you've changed from the 25-year-old man that you were? Sure. Everybody changes. Uh, I was a wood... I learned how to do woodworking at a young age. I had an uncle that was a... 
carpenter, and uh, I worked with him for a while. And uh, since I've been in prison, I've started teaching people how to do woodwork. Mm -hmm. it, all, all the different forms of woodwork, whether it's uh, furniture building, reading different uh, machines that come with woodworking. So where, where are you from? Where were you born? And I was an Air Force brat. My dad was in the Air Force, met my mother in England. And uh, then we came over here and I went to, we went to uh, Texas where he retired out of the Air Force. And then we went to Georgia. And that's where I grew up, went to school most of the time, most of my school years. And then I went in the army and went astray. And you, um, while you've been in the DOC, you have you been in many facilities? Pardon me. Have you been in several facilities? Um, actually, only three. Uh, for any period of time, like I, I went to uh, Minnesota for 12, 14 months, uh, Burlington for 12 or 14 months. But mostly Ordway and Fremont. So where were you when you were diagnosed? Fremont. Okay. So tell us about how you've spent your 40 years inside. You said that you've been teaching folks. What's your journey inside been like, reflecting? Um, mostly uh, stay busy and occupied and help people learn things that they can use, hopefully, uh, rather than just staying in prison. Prison sucks. I mean... Were you ever knucklehead? Because I was a knucklehead when I first came in. Were you a were knucklehead? You? Did you, like, have an evolution in prison? No. I, I Well, I have done drugs a lot mm. while I was in prison. It's a form of escape. Yeah. I mean, if you don't think you can get out any other way, that's about the only way out. But, uh, I don't think I was ever a knucklehead. You weren't violent inside. No, no. I've, I've been in one fight the whole 40 years. Wow, that's impressive. That's really impressive. So were they, like, deemed you like a model inmate, maybe, through your behavior? I was, I was an incentive for quite a while, mm -hmm. three different times. I, I was an incentive here. Okay. When uh, I moved here to get treatment, and... Uh, on the weekend, I moved over to 4A, which is the incentive unit. And uh, on a Monday, not that Monday, but the following Monday, I had to uh, declare a medical emergency and went into the hospital then. And I've been to the hospital three times since. So you've been in and out of the regular hospital, back and forth oh, yeah. between there to here, right. the infirmary at the RDC. Right. Um, yesterday, I got back from the hospital mm -hmm. after being there for three weeks. And we've been trying to, it's interesting, so the first week that we were here, we came to interview you and you left that day. Really? Um, yeah, and then when we got back, I was asking for you, um, I've been asking for you, and they said uh, that you went back to the hospital, and then today is the last day we're recording for the whole of season one, for the whole thing, and you happened to come back last night. 
so I mean that's pretty serendipitous that we okay. still get to talk to you. Well. We're very lucky. I'm wondering, um, what do you want people to know about you? You can tell the world right now anything you want about Mr. Nick Jones. Nick Jones, yeah? Is that what you like to go by? Right. Okay. Hmm. What would that be? It's hard to pick something out of a hat. It's a big question. Yeah, it is. Yeah. wish I'd done more to help children. There's like, there's no reason for children to be as sick as I am. And I've seen, I have to go to a regular place where we do treatments. Mm -hmm. And there's everybody there from eight-year-olds and younger to 80-year-old women and men, you know. And it, it's hard to believe it. Everybody has to go through this, but it's going through it. I mean, wish there was another way to go about that. I do have more compassion than I ever believed I did. Because of this? I probably. I or mean, being, yeah. And also, it could be uh, something as simple as The world needs more compassion, and we just keep running our whole lives just to get things done. And it doesn't seem like everything gets done, but there should be time for compassion, I think. Wish it were. Do you feel like you've um, gotten to accomplish a lot of things that you wanted to? No, not nearly enough. Not nearly enough? No, I thought I had time still, which I guess is a common thing. Right. So if you could accomplish something now, what would it be? Hmm. I'd like to make a tribute to something. Like, uh, like build something for Christmas. Have something, for yeah, have something ready in time for Christmas to put on display somewhere. Who would you like to have that? What kind of display? Like a wood display, you mean? Right. You would like a wood display for Christmas? Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't even have to be anything really big. It'd just be something that everybody could go and see and get what they want out of it, you know? Because it's, it's easy to build stuff. Would it be like a piece of furniture? Or? Sure. It could be anything. What, so you said you were a woodworker. What was like your main... Uh, boxes, clocks, and stuff. Boxes and clocks. Mm-hmm. I would really love to, if you'd like... Um, have a box made out of wood that'll be from you. Where would you like it to go? I could put it anywhere. Really? Yeah. Because oh. I'll make that happen. Wow. Mm -hmm. There's a place where children go to get treatment. Okay. Uh, 
and they give them these things called bags of fun. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's I a, have actually because um, a dear family friend of mine, their daughter died of cancer, and they run the foundation of bags of fun. Really? Yeah. I've been trying to find out to don't uh, to contact information for. They're it. really good family friends of mine. The Cross family. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's one thing right there. I've been, I've been trying to get, I have a friend on the street that's trying to do a couple of things for me. Okay. And one of them was to find that that's contact fun. information. Okay. And uh, so I could donate some more money to it, or some money to it. Mm-hmm. And because uh, it sounds like you're doing great things. Trying. A life of compassion. Yeah. It'd be great. So would you like us to donate the box to Bags of Fun? I would. That'd okay. be great. And somehow make it worth maybe a raffle or something for the kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can brainstorm that. I have the perfect guy for that right here next to me. <laughs> so um, Andrew Draper runs, a, or he helps run a program called Restore, which does community outreach for families. Um, and we can work on this together. This yeah. will be a project we'll make happen. say to the younger guys coming into prison because they're they might they hopefully everybody will potentially listen to this we're going to try and get this into prisons around the state what would you say to the younger population that's coming in what would you say to them don't wait 40 years thinking you still have 20 years to do stuff that i mean 40 years is a long time and 20 years on top of that that's a long time too but you've got people coming in here when they're 18 Mm -hmm. And she did. Did you? Sorry. How old were you? Twenty-one. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But if you wait that long to start doing stuff, you're pretty much behind already. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do everything at once. You can start doing little things here and there. Mm-hmm. And it took this long to realize that. That's, no, I don't know. Are you thankful that you've come to that realization? Um, yeah, but not by the means I came to it. <laughs> Obviously. Are you are you a spiritual person? No, not really. Do you believe in like the afterlife? Sure. You do stuff, yeah. What do you think? What do you think happens? I'm not, yeah, I'm not real sure what happens, but I know there's something got to be going on, (laughs) you know, because there's no way this is it, no way, and I've had little experiences here and there, like almost hallucinogenic things, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know if those are involved in anything, but I would like to think so. I mean, would you be willing to tell us about one, one that comes to mind, something you've seen or felt that made you think or wonder if there is something more? I can't single one out right now. 
like I said, I just came back from the hospital yesterday, and, and they tried doing, uh, I don't know if they were doing medical therapy or was doing a lot of pain medications. Yeah. And uh, I do know you hallucinate a little bit off medical. I'm sure. Uh, Are you the type of guy to discount that as like, oh, it's pain pills, or oh, I'm having an experience right now? <laughs> <laughs> Do you? Um, at times it's one, at times it's other. You know, uh, it's pretty easy to discount that, like you said. Uh, Do you have family support? I don't. You do not. Um, you said you had a friend that you were looking for the Krause right. family. Right. right. Did I say so that? you don't have anyone coming necessarily to visit you? Or? Mm. No. Uh, my father died when I was like 50, when he was 54, so I was like 20. It was before I came to prison on this case. And uh, my mother uh, married another man. And, I lost track of them, and she would be 70, 83, and she had a lung problem. I don't know if it's related to one I have or not. Mm -hmm. I've wondered recently, mm -hmm. and I had a stepsister. That was the only Breck family we had together, because we moved. We uh, Air Force family kind of deal. Did you develop any close relationships in here with any of the guys? Um, from time to time, it's uh, like I was in a spot where if I didn't get in trouble, I wasn't going to get moved. A lot of other people would get moved because they were getting in trouble for this reason or that reason. You sound like you stayed on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can do, I mean, this is easy to do. Uh, you stay out of trouble really in here. You, you briefly said that um, there was a, a victim in your case. Right. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Um, he was a 30-year-old man that picked me up hitchhiking. He was trying to do the nicest thing he could do, and I did the worst thing I could do. And that's part of the reason I have a problem with not being able to make up for that. Because we were at the extremes of that. He was doing the best he could do, and I was doing the worst I could do. And it was because I was tired of standing out in the rain and weather, and. Didn't know how to go about not doing that. Never learned how to live right, I guess. So for folks who are listening who maybe are incarcerated and have caused harm, do you think, even if it is a life in prison, but a life in prison where you can do good, still from inside, would be meaningful? Sure. So creating something, building something of goodness? 
you're, you can do good from in here, I think. Yeah, you can. I think so. I want to ask you about medical parole. Is that something you have looked into that you've... I started thinking about that. Yeah. And I have a limited amount of money in a savings account. Mm -hmm. while, while I was working in a furniture shop, we do this thing called pie. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, work on pie, 40% of your money goes into a savings account. Okay. Uh, you're not supposed to be able to touch it unless you need it for some reason. Now, there's a couple of thousand dollars in there, but when you go looking at the medical bills that this would cost, I don't know how much $2,000 of that would cover. You know? uh, I mean, I guess it is a possibility. Uh, You'd have to have somewhere to go, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it'd have to. We would have to come up with some kind of plan other than throw me out there and. <laughs> Want to make sure you're in good hands. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anywhere, do you have a community that you could go to on the outside? Do you have a friend or? I don't think so. Okay. Um, now that I'm back from the hospital, I can start writing letters again, because I didn't find out until I went to the hospital this time how quick this could come about. It's go pretty quick right now. Do you have OCAs that help you? Uh -huh. How do you feel about the OCAs? Do you like uh, them? Are they yeah, helpful? Yeah, some, some of them are helpful. Okay. Were you, you, were you an OCA? No, I am not. No. Were you an OCA? No, we've interviewed a couple, and Mr. William Graham. No. I thought somebody told me. The, the gentleman who was here with me earlier was. The one who was Oh, writing. okay, he's okay. OCA. He's the one who found you, for me. Right, that's right. <laughs> yeah. He's one of our, um, he's on our team. We have a good group of a uh, good group of individuals, and this this whole podcasting has been absolutely amazing. Has it? Yes, and to hopefully spread the word about who are in prison, you know, because we get we get forgotten about, you know. Right. Uh, it'd be nice to get stuff done, you know, rather than go sit and do time. Right. Well, Miss Miss Doctor Hamilton here, Miss Ashley Doctor Hamilton. I didn't say that right. <laughs> she she's a groundbreaking woman. She's really starting to to bring art. So even like woodworking would be something that's right up her avenue. That type of those are things that she wants to see us have the ability to do. We used to do it in our cell. <laughs> I did that stuff in my cell. I had a. You worked on wood in your cell. How did that work? <laughs> I worked on wood, metal, and glass. With like tools. Yeah. yeah. What year was that? <laughs> um, when I left Fremont, they were still doing it there in 87. Mm -hmm. But uh, then I went to Ordway, and Ordway had a thing called self-employed. Mm -hmm. And you go there, you give them all your tools and stuff, you get to use all your tools and stuff until you go to move. Mm -hmm. And then you donate them or whatever. Wow. Which was cool, too. Did you ever work for CCI in the furniture shop at all? Did you work in the furniture shop at all for CCI? Oh, yeah. That, that's um, not where that savings account came from? Right. Okay. I think Sarah has a question. I don't even have a question. I just wanted to, I feel like it's very heavy on my heart to tell you that um, when you find yourself at a place where you maybe feel like you're alone, you may not have the family, you may not have the support, you've just gained an entire crew of support. Yep. So, and this right here is going to be your legacy. 
that you're not leaving behind this room. You're not leaving behind just prison. You're leaving behind who you are as a man. And we have all of us to support that and create that for you. And it's not going to be silent anymore. And you have a lot of friends right now. So I just want you to know that. Thank you. Yeah. You're our community now. You want to say anything else before we go? No, I'm fine. Thank you. Well, actually, I I am appreciative that we met. And, uh, it almost didn't happen. I mean, yeah. it missed it by that much, this much. And then all of a sudden there it was. And then we got to meet. Okay. That's great. Jones passed away on September 4th, 2019, at the Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center, one month after we interviewed him. To honor Nick, a toy box has been crafted by incarcerated men at Sterling Correctional Facility. We worked with Bags of Fun, the organization that Nick mentioned in his interview, and in Nick's honor, the toy box will live in the palliative care department at Colorado Children's Hospital. If you'd like to donate toys for Nick's Toy Box, please go to www.bagsoffun.org. As Nick said, there should be time for compassion. Thank you for that important reminder, Nick. Happy holidays from all of us at Within. We wanted to include more voices from incarcerated folks across the state of Colorado. So we started a newsletter. It's called Reverberations from Within. If you're interested in reading it or in sending pieces of writing into it, visit our website at thisiswithin.com. If you're incarcerated in the state of Colorado and you want to submit material to our newsletter, please speak to your programs manager in your facility. Within is a collaborative production between the University of Denver Prison Arts Initiative and the Colorado Department of Corrections. Our hosts are Denise Presson, resident of Denver Women's Correctional Facility, Andrew Draper, resident of Sterling Correctional Facility, and executive producer and DUPI founder and director, Ashley Hamilton. Within is produced by Caroline Sheehan. Associate producers are Michael J. Clifton and Sarah Berry, both of whom are incarcerated. Mr. William S. Graham is our resident poet as well as a resident of the Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center. Media production and creative support by Angel Lopez and Chuck Martinez, both of whom are residents of Sterling Correctional Facility. Our newspaper liaison is Terry Mosley Jr., who is also a resident of Sterling Correctional Facility. Sound engineering and editing by Jonathan Howard. Full episode details, resources, and additional content, including how to subscribe to our podcast and newsletter, Reverberations from Within, is located on our website at thisiswithin.com. <laughs>